The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z dot com. I am Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Yes, sir. We are bringing you the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. That's right. Say something with Jermaine Morris. Barry Axius bringing you episode number 98. 98. Ha! Booyah! <laughs> yes, always talk about what's going on in the life out here in the traffic out here in these streets. In these cool, 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 cool streets. Yeah, yeah. So you got to get these uh, these iTunes up. Just, just, just. Barry sings the ad libs. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Booyah, booyah. <laughs> whoop, whoop. As always, before we get into the show, like the highlight individual or individuals who have uh, done something for the culture, something historically, something currently uh, that don't necessarily always get the shine that they should or uh, just sometimes not in some cases, not even at all. And and we have a few that fly under the radar. And so we got another one to highlight this week. And so she's she's still with us. So so though she would be considered a contemporary, she's been around for a minute and. uh and in her career, she has touched this, the stage in some way, shape, or form and touched people uh, like across the board. She had a, a stand-up career, a theater career, television, movies, um, just just insane. Like, And, and I, she's one of those that we think about when you hear her name, but a lot of times we overlook the accomplishments that she's had over the years. And I think sometimes we take some folks for, for granted. Uh, going in her career all the way back to uh, 1985, like she was, I mean, she had a, a Broadway show, which she did in 85. In the same year, she was nominated for an Oscar and a Golden Globe. And then in 1990, she won an Oscar a, a, as well as a Golden Globe. 1986, she was a part of a huge globally promoted uh, based in comedy show which was generating money that went towards the homeless and giving resources to people in need. Hmm. She then went on in 2002 to win a Tony for producing uh, a play. She's won a daytime Emmy. She is the only black woman in the history of that they've kept track that has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And she's only one of 16 people on the planet on that list. So you hear people who are like, oh, Emmy Award winning, Oscar nominated, Grammy Award winning. She is one of 16 out of all the people who've ever been in entertainment. There's only 16 people have ever won all four. And she is the only black woman in the history of entertainment to do it. And why I say that she gets slept on. She's been in over 150 films, over 180 different TV credits. Uh, it's still working strong today. She's been a part of TV shows, movies that have been iconic that we all remember. And then sometimes when we have to think a little bit deeper, we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was in that. Hmm. And she was born in this world as Karen Johnson. But most of us know her by her stage and working movie, work, working name. So we show a little appreciation, a little love to Miss Whoopi Goldberg. Ha <laughs> ha That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Whoopi. Yeah, Whoopi been under like we 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 all if you say her name, everybody has an immediate some kind of memory of her, whether it be Ghost, whether it be Purple Jumping Jack Flash, what she did uh, the Sister comic relief, Billy Crystal and and Robin mm -hmm. Williams. She more than enough movies, more than enough TV shows. But how many I mean, movies you said? Uh, she's been in over a hundred and fifty. Oh, that's crazy. That's in over a hundred and eighty TV credits. 180 TV credits, huh? Remember, she was on Star Trek The Next Generation. She was on was she on that? She was mm -hmm. on that point, huh? Yeah, she's I mean, when you start thinking about her full career, all the voiceover work, she did the voice for animation for a bunch of cartoons. And she stuff. was dating Ted Danson. Yeah, she was dating Ted Danson. Uh all kind of like just so many roles. Some people think of color purple whoopee. Some people think of Sister Act Whoopi. Yeah, Sister Act Whoopi. Like just depending upon Jumping her career. Jack Flash Jumping Jack Flash, jumping Jack Flash. Yeah. I'm a little black woman in a big silver box. Uh, <laughs> just however you remember her, uh, she's just, I mean, and like I said, there's only in all the actors, singers, the Broadway play, all those people you think of, whomever you think of, only 16 people have ever hit the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. And she's the only black woman. 
And I I don't think that I think we look at some of the things she's done and be, like some of the Ted dance and stuff. And we kind of like certain things like that will stand out. Yeah. And we forget just like how a or, at her, or some of her um, most infamous confrontations on um, what's that joint called? The view. Uh, the view. Yes. Yeah. She she get it. Like it was the crazy thing is depending on how old you are. That's some people like younger people. They think of, oh, that's, that's, that's the host from the view. Yeah. And they don't even know about all the. All, all, all the other stuff. You know, and I, and I think that when we we have these people in our culture who have done so much for it, you know, whether it be a, a starring role or, or a subtle piece that, that we do highlight and, and acknowledge all the work that they put in. I don't think we do. I, I don't, if you had never told me that, I wouldn't have known Whoopi was in that much. I know when when Whoopi was like at the you know top of her her game. When it was almost like she was the only black woman getting roles, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know that, you know, there was there was Whoopi, right? But at the same particular time, I think that um Whoopi went and, and Whoopi has done some shit and she held it down for just not only black women, but black entertainers on um how to stay within yourself not change you know what i mean because folks will argue the fact that well she ain't the most attractive person but it's like nah whoopi had a look you know what i'm saying and whoopi was definitely with her the same she came into hollywood in a place where her look like you know with with the dreads and all that it was like yo that's not the hollywoodish look especially for a black actor or a black woman actress that's trying to break ground so her staying true to self and like, now nah, y'all going to deal with what y'all going to deal with and never being typecasted in that. Right. Cause she's yeah. had some major hits by herself as well as being a part of some major mega hits. You talk about ghost and you talk about um, the first real breakout, um, you know, film that she was in with uh color purple, which is like yeah. an all time classic. You know, you just watch her, her versatility in these um, movies and even, you know, in plays and then transitioning herself as being a, a voice for us black folks um, on The View. And she's got one hell of a legacy that she's left. And it's a beautiful thing that she's still here, still existing in it. Yeah. And we're giving her flowers. Yeah. I mean, and the, started off doing theater and plays, but people forget she had a stand-up career. Like when she was doing those comic release That's with true. Billy Crystal and, and, and Robin Williams, like she, she actually was a, a comedian as well. And for and we jump into the topic, one thing I remember she did a role that always stood out to me was uh, she did an episode of A Different World. Yeah. And in that episode, it had uh, Tisha Campbell. She was on that episode, too. And she and uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character was the class. She was a professor of like a public speaking class. And this is when they addressed HIV on that episode. Mm. And she said all the ki- every all the students were supposed to give their own eulogy. So some people were like, oh, in 50 years, I was this and so and so I married that. And uh, Tisha Campbell's character was like, oh, uh, she died a couple of years later due to HIV. She had that was their, their their AIDS episode. But there was something that Whoopi Goldberg was saying to all her students. And I don't know, for whatever reason, it's kind of burned in my brain when I heard it. And she was like, some of you are you know, shy to speak or, or you're quiet to stand up. And, and she said a phrase. She said, always remember that uh, I am a voice in this world and I deserve to be heard. Mm. And it was a subtle message. It wasn't like driven in and like preached home, but it, for whatever reason, it just stuck with me. And I just remember hearing that. And like when it came to to speak up about something or like what we do now when you say something and like, well, why did I listen to you or, or try to be silenced or people trying to, 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 to minimize our opinion or our view? Just remember, I am a voice in this world and I deserve to be heard. So that's why we just allow people to just be Facebook social media idiots. Hey, yeah, they are a voice in the world. Is that what you're saying? They're hey, you you are a voice in this world. Your your opinion is not valid just because I don't want to hear it. And some people shouldn't have voices in this world. No, I, I think that you should have the access and the power to 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 be able to discern and to to turn them off. Like if somebody's got a, a Facebook page that they're ranting and talking crazy, I I can turn them off. Now you can turn them off, but too many people are turning them on, and it comes. Yeah. It creates the energies 
and it creates the waistline. It creates um, the negativity that I think is being replayed and replayed, reposted, reposted. And, um, you know, the most shocking thing that I that I hear oftentimes is when something tragic happens and it's filmed and it's been posted already. But they, they take down the post and yeah. folks want to see that video. It's just like, y'all want to see graphic shit. Is that what we, we you know, you can't just believe what I'm telling you. It shit's graphic. You don't want to see. It. Oh, like, let me see. Let me see. You know, Instagram, like, if you don't have a picture, it didn't exist. Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. It's almost yeah. like we are addicted um, to. uh the, the drama we're addicted to the trauma as much as we talk about healing we talk about um good energies and things of that nature sometimes it's almost like we want to see the trauma though it may not be our trauma we want to see somebody else's trauma yeah. but what you have to understand someone else's trauma could be your trauma next week <laughs> you know what i mean let's be very clear on that that's why i think it's important that when you're in that sea of everybody with the negativity and you and everybody around you's on that other stuff float that away you, that you feel like i like i want to add something even if i'm throwing a pebble in the ocean like sometimes when there's just so much craziness and everybody's on some negative stuff and every time you're like why why i say that everybody's on this sometimes just throwing it out there and you get enough people throwing it out there you can cause a change in current and a change in tide so that that's why i look at why it's important to still still feel like to just not let that mass and let that wave silence us. Well, you say that. I think some of these waves need to be silenced or, uh, you know, I don't. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm saying if you throw enough of them in there, you can silence them. Yeah, well, I'm, well we, we don't got enough. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. But That's why we're we saying something. That's yeah, we, we, and that's why the podcast is saying something. <laughs> Here we are. We're off of um, Super Bowl. Uh, why don't they just call Super Bowl weekend like the other holiday in February. What we got? President what they do? Day. They call it. They call it the unofficial holiday. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm talking like we officially call it a holiday. This guy, we got the Super Bowl. We got uh, what? Black History Month. We got President's Day. We got Valentine's oh, Day. Day. So we just got a whole bunch of stuff going on in February, and it's only damn near what 27 to 28 days or 29, depending on what a yeah. leap year we're running around, and we're trying to put all of that in Black History Month and. Eh, we got so much happening, but we can proudly say that we are finally officially done with the boycott in the NFL. Can we say that finally? Can we say yeah. that? Yeah, I don't think. Um, I think personally, I think last season was I, I think was the turning point for a lot of people that, that, that I was seeing. Why was that? And then I did I didn't hear any of it this year. Okay, and a lot of that is because of the pandemic, and I think that. Don't let's let's not get it twisted. Let's please not think that because the NFL has made some great strides into changing the identity of uh, the brand that people um, are now not having to feel compelled to say I am boycotting because of Colin Kaepernick or whatever other things because yeah. the NFL has stepped in. Not far from far from the truth. Um, I think the pandemic played a lot of um, the major play into this kind of. Yeah. Thought why? Because I think once you lose something that was so precious, or even you might not have been paying attention to it, it's like you lose it. You don't know if it's going to come back in the same way. You don't have the option. Like you couldn't go to the games for a particular time. Um, and some people couldn't even bet for a particular time, depending on what area they were at, you know, going to wherever spaces they go to or just congregate, right? Having those um Super Bowl. Uh, uh, Sundays or just the, the Sundays watching the game with your boys or, or or your girls. I think that everyone looked at it different. It was just happy to have something that was entertaining them during this moment. So I don't think anybody could even talk about, well, I'm still boycotting because truth be told, during this pandemic, this would have been the great opportunity to like, we're never going back to football again. We don't have to because it was shut down. We could have clearly said we're not going back, players included. But, of course, we found that this entity, this corporation is way more global and way more powerful than we ever imagined. So I don't want to continue to hear conversations about, oh, well, I haven't been watching it for the last five years. But then in the said, you're still giving us commentary on play-by-play -play on how the uh, Tampa Bay – Buccaneers cheated and the Kansas City Chiefs got robbed. You know what I'm saying? It's like people yeah. are like sitting there, oh, well, I haven't watched, but if I was watching, and it's like, come on, dude. The, the gig is off, y'all. Listen, it, it's it's yeah. over. Let The blinders are off. People are watching football. 
and what I do know from watching this this experiment that we tried that was freaking an absolute worst of our time, right? Because the only time the NFL really paid attention was because of George Floyd and because now players were affected. Why? Because of the pandemic and everybody had to stand still and everybody had to watch and everybody didn't know what was going to happen. The uncertainty of moving forward was in the eye of everyone. So NFL players finally had to sit back and be like, damn it. NBA players had to finally sit back and say, damn it, because it was not a concurrence of them playing so they didn't have to like address the issue. It no. was because of the George Floyd situation and the uh, Breonna Taylor situation and the Ahmaud Arbery situation and because time stood still for that moment where everybody was focused on whatever media or social media was displaying to us. Let's be very clear on that. It's not because of Jay-Z's partnership, Inspire for Change, whatever the hell. The no. simple fact of, oh, we, and it was a, I don't know, and I, and I trust me, this is not a knock. I, I, I love Jigga as the artist. I just am not going to buy his um, idea of being that connect to creating racial uh, equality in an NFL that continues to show us that they are not ready to move forward into laminating how the NFL should look as it has African Americans being a majority of their players, but you have zero to none coaches, probably two at this particular time. We'll get into that more a little bit later. But this idea that it was that partnership with Jay-Z is far from how the NFL changed their notes of acting in this idea of diversity. It was simply because everybody was looking at every entity that has been choking black people right that have yeah. been segregating black people and it was just like well what are you going to do and they didn't want to have a black lives matter like to uh catastrophe on their hind so this is how they did it i've never before saw so much interest in black history than i ever saw this time watching the super bowl right just yeah. black entertainers here just um tad bits here just kind of spreading the whole thing the hypocrisy of what i watched was almost alarming hurtful sick tired and to me being on the front line being a soldier and an advocate of all this i sometimes get tired of watching pandering symbolic gestures of progress by corporations that i know don't give a damn like we know this is a money yeah. play we know this is just a uh let's get through this kind of play you really don't care that much but what you will is play the role because when you don't have Eric Reed in um, the NFL, you never gave Colin Kaepernick an a, a opportunity. And to be honest with you, looking at the quarterback in play for the last two years, he could have fit in actually the last three years. He could have fit in somewhere. And to be honest with you, the problem could have probably went away, put him on a team. He plays, he may not play good and you send him off his way. And then it would have been all shut and done. I mean, yeah. realistically, but just, the simple fact that watching all of this hypocrisy, pandering, symbolic gestures of progress um, in the Super Bowl took away from just watching the Super Bowl. And I'm just going to say to people, um, the NFL has a lot to learn um, in this kind of social justice movement. But the surprising things we'll talk about a little bit later. But I just was kind of I wasn't moved. I was more bothered that they created that attempt. Well, some people will applaud it. Oh, they they sang the black the 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 uh, African the black anthem with Alicia Keys and all. It's just like, ugh. yeah, it, it's you know they were like, oh, they had her open Jasmine Sullivan. That was dope. That was dope. Her was dope. Um, the weekend on the halftime, oh, man, was, brother was blacked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so to me, it's like okay, I get. It. Like I said, I'm I'm one of those folks that I started watching some of the games this season, okay. like sporadically. Uh, I just think maybe the time removed from watching games for a couple seasons, I just found other things to do with my Sundays. Yes, and it wasn't even on some activism. I stand with Cap type stuff. It was really just on some. I removed something and put something else in its place. Yes, sir. And just you know. That's why I was never one of those. I'm still not watching. I'm still no. I just I, the, the people would say, "Did you watch the game yesterday?" No. Nah, what were you doing? I did X, Y, and Z instead. Like just, mm. just whatever. If a game was on, I wasn't one of those. I need to walk in the room and turn it off. Um, and so you 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 get the Super Bowl, uh, which is in this country is one of the the, the biggest televised events here. Uh, our football season gets more ratings than anything else. So so Sunday night football. 
I think it's the highest rated next to Monday Night Football. Something along one, they're like one and, and two. And, ga- and games be trash. And a lot of that is moved because of fantasy football and because of the betting lines. But go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, so if you think about whatever your favorite TV show is, it does not come close to NFL ratings. Like it's ridiculous. And the Super Bowl gets over like a hundred million viewers uh, a year. So the the idea that we're not watching is just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so in in yesterday was no different. But so now you take a season. Shout out to uh, to to uh, to Brady, who who got another chip. And the big thing is when we talk about what this looks like, and you talk about how the coaching staffs about how with the Rooney Rule, a lot of coaches were not interviewed for head coaching positions after the end of the season. You had a lot of seasons that ended atrociously, like guys mm-hmm. that you knew were fired after week eight. Yeah. So you knew there was going to be a coaching. Uh, uh, well, well, let's be too nice. Week six. But go ahead. Yeah. Some of these guys, you you knew their season was over. Like, and so you knew there was going to be a coaching opportunity. And when you go across the league, which is I think the NFL 75% black players. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it would only make sense that there would be a, a fair number of black coaches. And that's just not the case. And then this season, uh, I don't think I don't think any were hired in this offseason. I think um two. As a head coach, yep. You have you had the Texans had one. No, no. I mean, at, when the season was over and they hired yes. new guys, that Texans was one of the head coaches. Oh, okay. He's older dude. What's that? He's an older dude. Like he 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 was he's older, but he's oh, like, that's what, he's like sixty five or something like yeah, that. Or something. He, yeah, yeah. So he's not a part of the long term goal. Nah, he's, just, he's not. He's not one of those coordinators that you heard about. That was like, yo, he should have a job. He was yeah. just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah all right so, so we speak all the time of of diversity in the league we talk about that's a word that gets used all the time in society um when you th- when you think about does that even it just in your do you care so let, let's look at it that way so you see the nfl is predominantly a black league and the, the players are there you would think that there would be more black coaches but yeah. now a lot of assistant coaches are black so a lot of the, these guys their linebacker coach their running back coach uh, the, the trainers, the guys they deal with every day. There's a lot of black coaches along that line, mm-hmm. uh, just you know, proportionately. Do you care that there's not a lot of black head coaches? I think that when we talk about representation matters, and if you're talking about 75% of the league is black players, and significantly we look at all of the issues that we have in America is based on relatability. When we talk about schools not having enough black teachers and why our Black students are failing because of lack thereof. Um, why don't we have a bigger spectrum of coaches that look like us? Like they can't do the job. The one big shout out to Tampa Bay is the head coach. When we talk about white privilege, we talk about utilizing white allyship. And this is kind of white allyship 101. You look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach did. His whole staff is African-American or women like that is the benefactor of you being in a position of power, utilizing it and diversifying it unapologetically without anybody questioning it and bringing home a Super Bowl. And actually your defensive coordinator is really the MVP, but can't give a defensive coordinator the MVP because it goes to the players of a Super Bowl where he literally shuts down one of the most dynamic offensive teams that we've seen in the last like 20 years. So the reality to me is representation always matters, but representation only really matters if the representation that is clear is precise and is engaging, is empowering others that look like them. That's where I think we've always missed out. We've missed out on having people represent because we've had mayors, we've had governors, we've had city council members, but they still are status quo, politically correct, and they don't engage in black issues and black topics in the way that we need them to move what our agenda is forward. And without him even saying, I mean, (laughs) the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach did something so phenomenal that is like, yo, NFL doesn't want to be diversity. Want to talk about diversity? Boom. Because there's not one uh, uh, team that looks like his team. And what we do note is trending, trendy things, become things that people copycat and duplicate. So now you're looking at the the trend of how he, I mean, matter of fact, he's had former football stars 
on his coaching staff as coordinators. And now you'll see not only them getting job opportunities, hopefully, but you'll see other um, coaching, uh, you know, to be a, a, a coach, coaches going in, looking at how can I create diversity within my coaching staff? Because this will be a trending thing. But at the same particular time, the NFL still has a huge problem as all of corporate America continues to have this big problem of not including more black people and bringing us to the table because that's really what we want. We want to be brought to the table. Is that a case that we want to be brought to the table or is it? So do you think that if you want want their own table? No, no, I'm saying if if you work a nine to five, like, like, so we're just going average middle of the road American. Okay. You're not homeless. You're not selling drugs. You're not an elite surgeon who's making six figures. You're just an average middle of the road American. Okay. Does it matter if your boss is black? Like you, you, you assistant manager at Kinko's. Do you mean you, you're, 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 you know what, you know a, you're a truck driver for, for FedEx? It, 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 in your heart of hearts, you wish it would. But again, well, like I said earlier, representation matters, but how that person is representing it yeah. also matters. Most of the times when we've had black supervisors, black people in a power position, them dudes act worse than the crackers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they work, they worse than I'd rather have a white person That's what I'm saying. Be my so, manager because they they you know what they do and how they insult and how they try. It's almost like that conversation that you hear a lot of times where um you know I remember when Ice Cube said that line like um black police showing um showing um black police showing out for the white cop. Yeah exactly showing out for white the white cop. It's like black people, for whatever reason, to show that they're not a part of the clan of the black clan, they make our lives a living hell compared to like, okay, you know what? We here. Let's run the play. Let's get it. And that's a reason why I think truly some of our issues have been in our communities, because we've again, I'll repeat, we've had black mayors, we've had black governors, we've had black council people, and we have some of the worst neighborhoods led by them. So it it matters because it looks good but in reality they're not actionable or uh, sustainable items that i don't think that's put into play and that's what becomes frustrating overall so so the argument so then i i asked that so so shifting away from the nfl so we were shifting to like so what does this look like for the average person so does, is this more of a question of these companies corporations businesses entities government whatever needs to have more included black people or is this a case of that we have to have some retraining and staying on code because if you take a if you put a black person and put them in in the front okay we we covered our we covered our quote unquote our quota we we, we're we're multicultural we're diverse we've got excellent we got a ceo we got a regional manager hold on hold on we don't want you to be too black though but go ahead. Well, no, I'm saying the corporate part. <laughs> that's that's what they part. usually be thinking. Like, we don't want you to be too black. We fit, we had our quota. Please don't be too black. Well, see, that's why I say then this goes on the part of is this more about us staying on code? Because we'll we'll get in these spaces where we have a black mayor. They'll tell you we got black councilmen, we got uh black superintendent, black governor, we had a black president. Okay, okay, we we, we gave you the spot. Now, if we you got the spot and didn't do nothing with it, like Whose fault is that? So take Bruce Arians, take it reverse. Would a black coach have an all black staff, or would no, a black coach hire because, an all white coaching staff? If 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 he had an all black staff, there would be that reverse racism bullshit, right? And if that all black staff fails, they'll be looking like, well, you should have had some, you know, you should have diversified your coaching staff. I think that as a white coach, Bruce was able to get away with that because he knew his privilege. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, really. Their staff is going to win in Tampa Bay, right? So that's like now that you won, now everyone's got all eyes on you. So here's the thing: what you're making is a great point, right? Because we've had all this representation of us, and we're still in the same cotton picking place, talking about we need more of us. So the reality is, is us good enough? Good enough? And I don't think that truly we are, unless we have an agenda about us. And you and I talked offline before we even got. I know folks are afraid of me in my settings because I'm not a respectable political kind of Negro, right? I 
am very unpredictable and I make folks uncomfortable and I make the people around me who are black who say they want to move us forward uncomfortable too because I think or what I hate about us is we always want to keep gloves on to every issue and want to massage you know, the emotions of people that we may offend instead of just offending or just doing him being a black head coach having an all black staff would offended white ownership and he would have brought sent into the to the to the to the um to the room and asked why did you hire all black coaches <laughs> that's what would have happened and that's why bruce was able to pull it off because we as black people we are not identified to be that smart and not to run a play for ourselves so so it, I, I get in that particular setting. So now I'm so we back in our day to day life. How many of us are hiring black staff? How many of us we become store manager? So now you get to hire or promote your 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 assistant managers, your your, your shift leads, you know, even just involved with who you hire. You know, how many of us are are or should we be? Should it simply be oh, I'm just holding you know what they tell us just the best candidate? Or should there be a little bit of bias because we understand the game? Brother, yes, there should be bias for us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, shouldn't it be? I mean, for us. Well, this is what I'm asking because because if we're saying I, I guess I do. Yeah, because if we're saying I want to be treated fairly. Uh, no, no, because that's the argument. I'm here, I, I hear you. I, hear, I'm I want to be treated fairly. Like you're 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 holding me back because you think I can't do it because of my color. Just give me a fair shot. Put me against anybody you got out there and I'll win. We should go strictly off of merit. But then but the if we get in is, position and we're like. That's what I'm saying. The system isn't fair. So when we get into position, what we should do is move it forward, get us all in. But niggas don't understand that way of thinking. It's the plot, the strategy that's happened over and over. We've seen it. That's what they do. The good old boy system. That's what they call it. Right. They bring who they know, who they like. Right. Yeah. I mean, freaking Andy Reid had his son. Who unfortunately <laughs> was too busy drinking and got into a car accident, and, and you know what I'm saying. And he was a, a integral part of his coaching staff, right? And it yeah. was like, dude, you're not dependable. But still, he gave his son opportunity. I think if more black people had that mindset of stop trying to please master and just say, I'm gonna go for what I know, I'm gonna go for broke, it would work better. But I think that what's happened over time, niggas always want to be the number one and be the one that's holding the crown. I think black people have been in positions and gotten burned so often by other black people that it's a fear factor for us bringing all the uh, our, our, our people to the party. It's yeah. almost as if we need a white counterpart to be at the head of the table to keep us all in line because as you got too many Negroes, one at the head of the table, and we're all circling around, we're looking at how we're going to take down the king or the queen. Yeah, so, so sticking with that, is it... A I'm trying to look at, like I said, I'm I'm looking for everybody, average Joe Schmo on the street. You ain't in the struggle like that. You're not trying to, you just, you're just trying to live your day-to-day life. If, is the argument there, so is it, I need equality from them, but I'm going to put in biases for us. Is if, if that's the thinking, then should we just quit the argument looking for you know, clearness from them? Like if, 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 if right now there's no black people who supervise this job, so I'm trying my best to claw to get there. But as soon as I get there, I'm opening up the door for Calvin, for, for Jerron, Jerome. As you should. So if that's what they're doing for me, if right now, say it was a Latino guy who got the job. So he's hired Hector, Miguel. And, and I'm like, man, I'm better than will. these dudes. But he's <laughs> like, hey, hey, I still got four, four brothers. Once I get Juan, Carlos, and the rest of them in there, maybe then I'll look for you. We'll be complaining that we can't get the fair shot, that we can't get the fair shake. But if that's literally the exact same thing we're going to do as soon as we get there, then should we even be having conversations with folks about equality and fairness and, and that sort of stuff? I mean, we're going to have to have these conversations because conversations are relevant. They don't necessarily change anything because, again, the mentality of a black person is once they get in the position, they are going to try to be as diversified as possible. I don't ever really think black people think in a sense of I'm going to bring uh, uh um you know Todd uh you know what I'm saying Keisha Antoinette Jojo you know I don't yeah. I really think that they're like well we're gonna diversify because there's the lack of trust that we have in our own community. I've watched us have four city officials be black 
at our city council yeah. and absolutely not utilize their power to create anything significantly black. We have the African marketplace that we created by an assembly of folks that were thinkers, doers, and had the ability to create power in collaborative. That wasn't an idea from four city council members that were black men that was like, this is what we need to do. Show representation in numbers and kind of diversifying, you know, a create like a, a, a creative uh, form to help support black businesses, small businesses. It's a nuance and a new thing now. Now everybody, it's the new trendy thing. Shop black, support black. It's like now the you know the topic of the hour or the trend yeah. of the day. But the reality to me, yes. We have to keep talking about these equality issues because if we are thinking in a way black people should think, let's get us in with equality and turn that motherfucker out when we get in. (laughs) That's my thing. Like, let's get in with equality. Let's get in with this idea of diversity and turn this mother out. And I just don't believe we have the fortitude because we are not responsible enough and have not enough accountability for our own abilities to be able to sit there and say, here's the play. Let's run it. There's always somebody gunning to be the number one. Like, yo, why can't me? Why can't it be me? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've yeah. seen that play out in our community in the activism world. Like, they want me, niggas want to be the number one activist. Like, what? <laughs> Bro, there's plenty of work for us to do. I didn't know that was it's the like, title. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just saying. That's yeah. why. It tripped me out because I'm thinking that in a collective, we all work and we all winning. Let's all build because we are dealing with fighting the same fight, allegedly. But then I got to find out there has to be a chain of command. We have to have one organization, one number one activist, and everybody fall in line. And if you're not falling to that, people will try to destroy you. And I think that the reason why we don't ever do the things that we do, we become too selfish in these positions. We become too ego-driven in these positions. We become so thirsty for power and the belief that, damn, I want to be the only Negro. And I think sometimes that is. I want to be the only Negro because feeling like I'm the only Negro feels like there is a little bit more value. Because if there's too many Negroes, then that becomes more competition. And I might not be as good as that Negro. And I think that plays a big part in all this moving forward. Yeah. Yes, I've noticed a couple things. So one, all that, I agree, all that comes from the scarcity mindset when you think that there's only opportunities for one black person. So it, it, it's got to be me. Because well, 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 hold on, bro. Don't you think society has showed us that, though? You don't think that? Um, Not as much as, as I, I think one might think. Mm. I, I think that when you go into it thinking it can only be me, you kind of build a life based around that thinking. Because there are there are a lot of or there are organizations and entities that are black collaborative based where everybody's eating because everybody's not trying to because everybody's not saying if 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 he has it, that means I don't that there's not that thinking. Okay, he got it. Show me how you got it and show me how I can duplicate it. There are there are groups like that around. And, And so you take a guy like LeBron, who he's the one who got the NBA contract, but he got all his boys on. He, you know, whoever Love needed to go, to, who needed to go to school. That's a black blueprint for real. <laughs> who, needed to, who needs to be in these circles? Yes. I'm not going to handle all these business deals. Your job is to go and learn as much as you can learn. That's going to benefit me. That's going to benefit us. And, and, and he got hung to dry when he showed his power. And that's why I be, that's when I became a big LeBron James fan. I'm happy you brought this up. He showed his power in 2009 when he decided I'm out of here <laughs> like yeah. Cleveland. I'm the system. You know what I'm saying? I'm out of here. Then went to Miami. I kind of was upset that he went back to Cleveland, but then I understood his logic. And again, I'm the system. Leaves Cleveland. Again, goes to L.A. I'm the system. Finally wins a title for L.A. His ability to allow him to say, I'm going to be the one that's going to be hung out to dry. But in that process, I'm going to get my people to where I've never, ever heard of an NBA player still in his prime, (laughs) playing currently, having a sports agency. And, of course, it's not his sports agency when we talk about sports, right? Right, right. 
that is working and wheeling and dealing as he is the real estate of the NBA. Like when you talk about, we talk about um, Bruce over there, the head coach of Tampa Bay, showing our white allyship. Well, this is what we need you all to do. This is, we don't need your, your, your symbolic gestures of progress. Stop with the Kente cloth. We need you to get in there, utilize your power, and whatever that thing that you need to be doing, do it in a way where it's tangible, it's uh, sustainable, and it makes sense. Yeah. LeBron did the same exact thing. It's like, all right, this is how I'm going to bring my childhood friends, those who were loyal to me, my crew, how I'm going to create opportunities. And I'm yeah, creating so- opportunities to be the flagship but I'm gonna always set ground, and 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 brother, it's a beautiful thing watching a brother move and navigate. And that's why I will always be a fan of how cunning and how you know, um, not only direct but how methodical he is in doing what he's done, getting his boys on, and now they literally have a sports like agency where folks don't even really want them to have that, right? They don't really yeah, want yeah, they try to put in the Listen, this is a game that they're not even supposed to be in, but he's in because he knew his position. He knew his position of power. And you didn't see that with other players before. Other players were just shutting up and dribbling and allowing things to happen. So when we talk about representation, that representation to me clearly matters because we've watched what LeBron James has done with the power he holds. Okay, so that so using him as an example, so this is what I'm saying to the other part. LeBron's situation, what he did with Clutch Sports and those guys, uh, is an example of I didn't need this group over here to show equality. Mm. We stayed on code. Yes. That's why you never saw an interview of any of his boys talking slick about him. Yes. You never had yes. back and forth, even when the when the press was going. It wasn't even they they, they played the role, no comment. About the whole issue with the decision, the yeah. issues of the Delonte West little scandal yeah, stuff. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. It was strictly no. You heard ze- you had zero peeps. Even, out of that even, even when his squad. son was this, this the smoking weed situation. Zero, zero, zero. <laughs> zero peeps out of the entire clique. So you take so you take him as an example. So this is not how do how do you guys work with me? This is me getting on and getting my guys in. So you're basically saying like, black, this is a black blueprint. We can't do it. We just don't choose to do it. This is what you're saying. So, the, so yeah. So then you take a guy like Kevin Hart. He Kevin Hart. Thing. Kevin Hart does the tap dancing, so he can be in position. But his entire clique that's beneath him, they got radio gigs. They open. They get to write for TV shows and movies. They get on tour with all kind of stuff. Naeem and all them guys. They're eating. Now they get their own check, but they're under Kevin. And everybody eats, so there will be no reason. Why I want to go after the crown? And you don't ever hear you don't hear him talking slick about you know uh, Ron Everline, great dude, uh, Kevin's trainer, dude, boss. He came up as a trainer who was doing well. He's the one that does all the the Instagram videos with Kevin Hart all the time. Big big dude, his trainer. From then he's now got his own established. He's training like Matt Barnes and a bunch of other guys now, but he's still Kevin's his number one trainer. Travels with him, but Kevin set up a system that boss now has his own line, his own merchandise, his own business and entities that's growing. Once again, these dudes don't have to tap dance for nobody. Kevin did all the tap dancing uh-huh. to get in these corporate doors and to get in these movies, whatever. They just played a role and they build. One other example, then we touch on it, Master P. I'm about it, about it. Master P show folks years ago. He was, I think he was one of the original founders of the Black Blueprints, like, let me yeah. show you Negroes how it is supposed like, to be done. Uh, when everybody was signing deals, some and of the worst rappers wherever came from them, but he was fa- they were family and it was kinfolk. Put them on. made way more money than these dudes <laughs> that people say are hotter MCs. Them no limit dudes didn't they they moved units, but not close to what death row artists were moving or what bad were, boy they, artists it, were moving. They, they weren't getting all that money. But but independently, and he and he cut deals with they they got their own money. Like there was dudes who were who were these these selling out tours that that if you were the, if you grew up in the nineties or the two thousands dudes that you were seeing all over everything you think they got to be billionaires they, they all over everything MTV BT penniless and then you <laughs> hoping, got these no hoping, limit dudes hoping someone's gonna call them for a reality TV show yeah and you got these no limit dudes down there all millionaires diversifying their funds owned all their masters multiple homeowners business owners. All that stuff. So these are examples where it wasn't about diversity. 
that put these folks on. It was your folks staying on code Cold. is what I put agree. them on. But you got to remember the code that you're talking about. You're talking about these two. We're, talk, we're talking about the. Let's talk about Master P and LeBron. Yeah. Again, he was hated because he stayed on code. He knew this move that he was making was going to be dealt with differently because no one ever saw a player with uh, that significance do this kind of power play, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when Shaquille got traded, he wasn't the face of the league. You know what I'm saying? You could argue the simple fact of who was that face. LeBron was the face of the league. And when he took that bite of the whole decision, which I thought was like, what, now you are commonly seeing the decision of being now exactly what LeBron James did, he got hung. With Master P, brother, everybody was looking at him like, man, he aight. Like, they didn't black on. He's like, whatever. he aight. But I'm still going to get a deal from Sony, right? And even in the deals that he made with a major um, record label, it was only, like, for distribution. It was just, yeah. it was such a power broker play. Like, it was just like, yo, I'm running it. So those two guys, when you think about it, are black community. Nichols was hating on them. And, and not hating them in a way that they were doing something wrong, but hating on them like they were stupid for doing what they was doing. Like, oh, he shouldn't have left Cleveland. He should have did it a different way. Nah, Master P, oh, man, he just he don't know what he's doing. He, why are he coming out with those Master P sneakers? Oh, that that nigga crazy. Like, these folks were being called crazy when they were pioneering what we are now seeing today. So, so sticking with that, like I said, so we spend so much energy and so much time screaming till our, our throats are hoarse about let me in, about equality! diversity, equality, all that sort of stuff. When just wouldn't the better play to be, let's just circle the wagons and folks stay on code. I, no, I agree 100%. You know, because I, I, that's, I, mean, I, I sit there and watch these things and I'm like, okay, well, who, who's winning? Who's out here? Who's sticking to the script and winning? Now, I know the average person doesn't know anybody in Kevin Hart's camp by name. Absolutely not. But they're all eaten. Most people don't know unless you. Wait, hold on a second. But you have to also know, I think that the characters of those guys and who he has around him, even with LeBron, they're okay with not being that star. As I told you about the activism, what was wrong with it? everybody wanted to be that star instead of just playing their part and that's kind of like why this activism was when you talk about Quarantel pro how it was being able to create well this was more ego driven uh character issues that came in instead of Quarantel pro we didn't even need that for this it was this ego driven greed i want to be the man i want to be the woman and i think that when you do certain things when you're moving in a way where you're bringing your folks in you got to be so you, your, your ego has to be put in a shelf and you have to be able to be so sensitive to what those people that you are putting on may need in the time you're saying, yo, just stay with me, y'all. Just keep following the black blueprints, giving them enough to keep them where they're just like, I, right, we know that we're not going to sit there and, 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 and fold because you got to think about it. Having squads and teams like that and you never hear anything, um, you know, of some any dissension from any of those camps and they've built yeah. these empires, it's a rarity. It's often you often don't see that, dog. You all with even some of the greatest lines of you know lineage when we talk about black excellence, we talk about Rockefeller, they fell out. You talk about the diplomats, they fell out. And I say that because those are some of the black um entrepreneurs that we could look at from from a level of um coming from the ground up that we could say and, and point at if I was a young person, I could say, hey. Here's a blueprint. Um, you know, the guys at FUBU, th- 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 all these different players, there was always some kind of infighting that separated the mission. And I see with these groups, right, they stay on cold and they don't infight. And they keep. Well, that's that's where I was going with. So if so, if we can recognize that we need to spend more energy on code and, and check egos, because a good example was Andre Harrell. Rest in peace to Andre Harrell. And Andre Harrell was over he in Uptown. On Uptown, he put folks on. <laughs> and Andre put everybody on. He put Heavy D on, Mary J. Blige on, Joe C on. He put uh, Father MC. He's responsible for why you know who Biggie is. He's he, but all that. So Andre Harrell was the dude who's like, I got the door open. Christopher Williams, mm-hmm. uh, I got the door open. All y'all come in behind me. Puff came up under him. Yes, super ego. So you had Andre Harrell had to fire Puff 
because he was just doing too much. He w- he couldn't play his position. And he's like, he, he said, there's not room for, for, for two kings in this jungle. You yeah. got to go. I mean, but sometimes that happens. Well, well, this well, so so the mentality of when you talk before, like I I want your spot, yep. I want what you got, I want where you want to be. That mentality carried over into Bad Boy because he oh, got over man. on everybody who was up under. <laughs> Facts. Like there was never even the dudes who were not even gunning for his spot. He kept them in a weaker yep. position, and that's the thing that we see more often than we see what Master P, Kevin yep. Hart, LeBron James, P Diddy's way of collectively doing it and that's unfortunately more of the inherited style that black people have picked up yeah yeah so if we so we've seen enough examples and he's left them broke (laughs) and he's left them broke i said and he's left them broke oh yeah i think on record there's only one guy who says he quote unquote there's only one guy who technically got over and there's two groups who feel like they got their just due so mace got over Mace burned him twice. And so uh, he had that two album deal with Harlem World. He did Harlem World and then he quit after Biggie died because he wanted to be a pastor. Yeah. So they put out that garbage double up album just to fill his contract obligation. So he got paid twice for, for only doing performing once. And, then now he comes know, out and, now, and now we know and now we know why it was garbage. Right. Yeah. And then he comes out of retirement. And so then he signs another deal. And then right after he comes out. He goes on tour with G Unit, the whole fallout. Then he he quits again. So he's only he got two major checks out of Puff that he didn't have to earn. So that's the only one that's recorded. Well, that Puff, Puff still got his publishing zone. Yeah, but he's the only one that got paid, that everybody else yeah. got robbed. He's yeah. the only one that got overpaid to begin with. And then you had the locks that had to go to court to get settled, and you had uh, Loon that got a solid deal. Yeah, the rest of them all screwed. Yeah, and uh, one way, one. shape, or form. So, so now when we've had representations where you can see guys who are like, okay, here's a, here's a blueprint that does it right. Here, here are people who, 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 who stayed the course, who played their position, who everybody got to eat, everybody was able to build off of. And then here's what happens when everybody's cutthroat. Mm. And then here's everybody who's over here begging. Mm. There's only one model where the masses is doing well. So what does it take to get folks, look, you, you see Kevin's camp. You see LeBron. Kevin's the only the star in the group. LeBron's the only star in the group. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Master P was a great businessman who had some second-tier talent, yeah. second- and third-tier talent, with the exception of Snoop, who was over there for a minute. Yeah. They were all second- Getting the game, talent. learning the game, and he, and he allowed him to learn the game and yeah. go back to being Snoop. But, I, I mean, <laughs> as for star power for a label, the rest of those guys were either second- or third-tier artists. Wouldn't even say that, but mystical was a second tier. No, mystical was a, definitely the only tier. That That's was the only well, he's, third only. tier Everybody is is fourth Phil. tier, fifth tier. Shoot the shocker in. Yeah, freaking. yeah. Mia X is a light rate second tier, but anyway. Um, so if we if we can look at this, we can see what works and what doesn't. What? Where do we forget what goes on with them? Forget if there's a Bruce Arians who's going to look out. Forget if there's a company that's going to do diversity. What does it look like circling the wagons to getting folks to be like, look at this model when we all work together and the people who are winning? Like, what does that take? You know, um, what does that look like? I think it looks like, you know, some of what we just talked about, but it takes a lot of trust and it takes. Um, a lot of patience and it ha- takes folks to have an ability to say we only need one front man the jackson five was the jackson five because michael jackson was the only front man yeah right the best of new edition was probably when ralph was the front man not bobby brown you know what i mean it, it, these are the kind of things i believe that if we really want to make amends, we always have to try to believe in who is going to be that person that's going to be the frontliner coming in and allowing to open up the door and then letting us all in. But when we get the door open, don't start um, being a Judas. <laughs> don't start being like, well, I'm the better talent anyway. You know, don't don't start being uh, well, who was the dude, the Jackson guy? What was it? Was it Jermaine that uh, decided or, or Tito, one of the one of those Jacksons that said, hey. I'm good too. I mean, I'm a good that's singer. Jermaine. Jermaine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right? Jermaine. Because Jermaine so, was the original lead singer. Yeah, they, yeah, right. And yeah. um, 
but Michael was more appealing, had a better voice, whatever. So when you know you you gotta, especially for black people, like they, I don't think there has been a a, a a time in history where we have all these corporations really identifying that they have to do something. I've never seen Black History Month being celebrated at this magnitude by corporations that never gave a damn except like Black History Month. Like they're really going out their way. We can't be mad because we've asked to be recognized. So now we're being recognized. But I think by being recognized, we need to make sure that we're taking the position to where we are controlling how we're being recognized. And behind these closed doors, we're not allowing white faces to be the places to dictate to us what the representation looks like. And that's always been my issue with the music industry. We just allowed them to take hip hop. We gave it like it was like, here, here's hip hop. Yeah, um, it wasn't and, even a struggle. Yeah, it wasn't even a struggle at all. And and I think that because of greed, because of too much access, because of not looking at um, a bigger plight, it has hurt us in such a way that you it's going to be very hard pressed to find another thing that we give, um, you know, to an American corporation that is something like hip hop that's so raw, so real, so just this magical right it's going to be very hard pressed to get that kind of second wind um because everything else they've they've really channeled it's now we're going into more of the tech stuff and you know these platforms that have pretty much been all lined up by by white guys whether it's a uh linkedin whether it's a facebook whether it's a twitter whether it's freaking not even the social media platforms whether it's the amazon or all these different um yeah. You know, technology things that have scored and has continued to build the reservoirs for uh, the American corporation and this capitalist society that we live in. We as black people have to start understanding that unifying in a collective without channeling in the ego of being I'm the number one. When you are not even number one, right? Like you sound and say you were number one, but you're not really it. Like that's the guy. Let him be the guy. That's like when Kyrie Irving left LeBron James. Like, why? You know what I'm saying? And then you found out, like, well, this being the guy thing doesn't really work when he went to Boston. So let me just go be a second guy with Kevin Durant. Like, we don't need that. We need individuals just to stand and say, I'm okay playing the back as long as that person playing the front gets us to where we need to be. Yeah, because it, it, everybody, you, you take a Kyrie where you see it doesn't work. But if you look at a Scottie Pippen where you see it did, you look at these places where you see it didn't, but you look at Clay Thompson and you see it did. You look at where it didn't, but you see a James Worthy and you see where it did. Yes, sir. You have said like when we, when we, we, there are more than enough examples of when we work in a collaborative effort that, that we win. Like, and more so that works than looking for handouts and, and, and breadcrumbs. You know, you, you, there was a, you remember the, the Ferris Bueller movie? Yes, sir. There was a line where, where Ferris Bueller was talking about his friend Cameron, talking about, you know, uh, he's like, he's going off to college next year. He's going to fall in love with the first girl he lays and she's going to treat him like shit because you can't respect somebody who kisses your ass. Ooh. And that's Damn. where we are seen in so many circles that you, I, I can't respect you because you got your hand out all the time. Yeah. It's not even a collaborative, you know, where, where it's okay. Where it's mutual building. There's uh, reciprocity. There's, there's, it, it's simply, you keep coming to me asking for something. And, and then you, th you throw a tantrum if I don't give it to you. And you haven't even moved the needle with the stuff that I did give you. <laughs> you haven't even moved the needle. You haven't made your situation better with, with the stuff I gave you. Like I've got some friends who've been pretty successful in their act in their walks of life. And they're like, hey man, if you know, uh, if you need something, uh, you know, holler on a personal tip. But if you want to do something professionally, you need to be at a certain place before I can help you work together. Yep. Like uh one partner, he says the best way. He's like, imagine if you're running, if you're a runner, I'm on mile number nine, you on mile number one, but you want to run alongside me. Mm. That don't even make sense. It don't make sense. Like you need to make up. I'm running alongside people who are also on their ninth mile. Mm. You run along first who's on your first mile. Now it don't mean that you can't catch up, yep. but you shouldn't even be having a conversation with me about the pace I'm at or what I'm doing when you got eight miles to make up. 
facts. These so are before facts. we, yeah, before that's we get, a jewel. <laughs> that's a jewel. Write that down, children. That's a jewel. <laughs> yeah, we, we before we even get these conversations about what can you do and how come you, what does diversity look like and what is this inclusion? We should be over here running these eight miles, and we, and until we do that, that's why I, I look at a lot of stuff. I I get the representation, I get the opportunities, but. I think we got to figure out some stuff on how to make up some miles over here before we start coming to these folks over there. Vision builds empires and us begging to be included and not sitting up our own table, us continuing to be at the table when we could have walked away from the table numerous times and created our own. You can't keep crying about why things are the way they are when we simply have not done the right thing and walked away to create our own. Yes. This has been the Say Something Podcast. Say something with Jermaine Morris, Barry Axis. Where can folks keep up with you online? Everything. Twitter, Barry Axis. IG, Barry Axis. Facebook, Barry Axis. <laughs> and shouts out to all those people that bet Tampa Bay. That guy who did the mattress guy, 34 point with 3.4 million. 3.4 million, yeah. Brother. He's smiling today. With his old ass, he probably got a whole bunch of little young honeys right around him too. The fact that he had three and a half million to put on it, he's 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 doing nice. That means that he probably had like twenty, no, nah, hundred some million stashed some. somewhere. Crazy. He's doing good. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at J Morris CEO. This has been the Say Something Podcast. Always love bringing it to you. If you find us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating. Yes, comment. We appreciate that. Any other ways that you listen you know share subscribe share. tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend and until next episode holla we will holla at you later peace